Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 71 of the Lawyerist Podcast, where we talk with Matt Homan about TBD Law. Today's podcast is sponsored by Abacus Private Cloud. Future-proof your firm by going virtual. Learn more at abacusprivatecloud.com slash lawyerist. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Zero Beautiful Legal Accounting Simplified. Find out more at zero.com. That's X-E-R-O dot com. If you enjoy the show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast and click on support the podcast to help us keep new episodes coming every week. So Aaron, last week we talked a little bit about my time at Codex and Open Data, and uh, I guess I'm not done talking about AI. Okay, let's hear it. While I was at Codex, I met the team behind Ross, which is being billed as the AI lawyer. And um, I don't know if you'll recall, but a couple weeks ago... Uh, Ross got its first client, and I'm doing air quotes with my fingers because a couple of law firms have now hired Ross to help them do research, and it's actually bankruptcy research in this case. That's the first area of law that Ross is tackling. And all of the news reports are about AI lawyers and is Ross going to replace lawyers and all of this business. And, well, I finally got a demo of Ross. And while it's an impressive tool, I don't think lawyers have anything to be afraid of just yet. Say more. (laughs) So... Essentially what Ross is, like if you sit down and use it, you'll kind of be like, oh, what's the big deal? Because you enter in search terms and you get a list of cases as a result. It's not like Ross takes a look at the body of case law research and then says to you, well, this is the law or it doesn't extrapolate meaning from the research right now. It just gives you a list of cases. So the premise is that you can be sloppier with the way that you search, um, basically, uh, because it will figure out what you're trying to get at anyway by interpreting your natural language and that you will get better search results. So maybe maybe that initial fumbling around that we all do when we're trying to start doing research, um, so you save some time by not, by getting right to the results you want instead of figuring out how to ask the question right. So its advantage at the moment is that it is smart on the question side about figuring out what you mean in a natural language search on the result side right now it's still basically just legal research software yes okay but with the premise or promise that it will be more in the future yeah i mean it's easy to see how you can do more with this so this is maybe the minimum viable product is is just figuring out how to give you the results that you were looking for, whether or not you asked the question in the right way. But yeah, it's pretty easy to see this going in other directions. That said, like, I didn't get to compare it to Westlaw or Fastcase. So, like, I I can't even tell you how well it performs against Westlaw Next natural language search um, for the same search queries. So, the pitch is that it delivers better search results for for questions about whatever body of law you're looking into, but, um, but I didn't even get to test that, so I don't know. So, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to poo-poo the product here, but um, but I think that there's a lot of hype about Ross, and I think I'd like to dispel some of that. So, Ross is powered by IBM's Watson, which is the 
computer AI thing that won on Jeopardy yes. famously and has done other things, I guess. But it's, this is not an IBM project. They've just somehow licensed the use of Watson. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is this kind of gets into wonky legal tech startup world, but um, there are at least two components to Ross that are kind of a question mark uh, in my mind as to its future viability. That's the license of Watson's technology. My understanding is IBM was going out there trying to get people to do things with Watson. Um, and I think it still is because I'm, I think it's really just a vanity project <laughs> and a marketing thing at this point. And they're trying to find more useful things to do with it. So that's, you know, question one is if all of a sudden they have to pay massive licensing fees to Watson, then Ross may be a little bit harder to maintain. So they would need money for that. The other question mark in my mind is where's their research coming from? They seem really confident in the body of law and cases that they have. Um, so my hunch is that it's coming from somewhere like uh, Westlaw or LexisNexis that has a comprehensive search database. And um, and I wonder if they're operating under some sort of a, you know, you can use it for free for a couple of years thing. Uh, Ross is only 11 months old at this point. So, or maybe maybe it's about a year now. So there's not a lot to go on and, and it's hard to know, like, is it going to get a lot more expensive all of a sudden because they need to start paying for those cases and for Watson? I don't know. So without poo-pooing the future of legal technology, because we are optimists about the future of legal technology, Oh yeah. your current assessment of this is that it's probably receiving more hype than it currently deserves. Yeah, it's receiving a ton of hype. Um, in, and in a sense, it's doing a disservice to it because a... Uh, a legal research platform that doesn't require you to be an expert in Boolean searching and to ask the questions in exactly the right way is huge, right? It means that you, your lawyers don't all have to be Westlaw whizzes in order to get right to the answer that they need. Um, so it's actually a really great product. If it's that's just, what they were selling, but instead they're selling, this will replace lawyers. Yeah, I mean, as, yeah, as soon as you tag AI on anything. Although Andrew Arruda, um, the CEO, has said explicitly that he doesn't think Ross is a lawyer replacement. And having seen it, um, I think he's absolutely right. There's no way that the product as it is now could replace lawyers. Got it. So that's dispelling a little bit of a hype, uh, the hype around Ross. But still and, a cool product, um, it sounds like. But still a really cool product. And I think, you know, if you're doing bankruptcy law, it's totally worth checking out. And I should add, um, I talked with Andrew about this and, and he is really gung-ho about Ross as a solution for solo and small firms, not just big firms, and um, is determined to price it so that it's within the budget of any solo and small firm, uh, which I think is really cool that... You know, he, he feels strongly that it's, AI shouldn't be limited to the big firms, which um, which is awesome. So hopefully Richard Susskind will get wind of that and, and maybe revise his forecast about the end of small firms. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, let's keep talking about the future of law practice with our guest today, Matt Homan. Hi, I'm Sam Glover, and I'm introducing myself this week instead of my guest, who is Matt Homan. And the reason is because together we are putting on a workshop, retreat, meeting thing we're calling TBD Law, and we wanted to talk a little bit about it. So, hey, Matt. Hey, Sam. So, maybe we should start by talking about what this thing is, 
um, what filament is um, for those who may not have gotten it from your last podcast that you did with us and um, and why we're doing it in the way we are. So maybe let's start with what filament is and give people sort of the brief introduction to that. So filament in a nutshell is really a better meeting. We have a space in St. Louis, hopefully the first of many around the country, uh, that's a little over 10,000 square feet of creative brainstorming conference space. But filament is really more than that. It's our attempt and best effort to change everything that's wrong with meetings, conferences, retreats, and offsites, mm-hmm. uh, starting with space, but ending with facilitation, methodology, customer experience, outcomes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So filament is in many ways a better meeting machine uh, that we're building to solve the exact same kinds of things that we're talking about with TBD Law. Yeah. And, you know, when we met with you, we, we flew down to St. Louis to take a look at the space to, to meet some of your team and to talk about um, what has now become the thing that we're calling TBD, which sounds like it still doesn't have a name. Um, <laughs> but that's it. And um, the way I've been explaining it to people is that we uh, are replacing speakers with you and your team, who I, I, I believe are probably some of the best meeting facilitators in the country. Um, and I believe that based on knowing you and listening to you speak and going to workshops with you for years. Um, so I think um, that's probably the best way for people to get their heads around what we're trying to do here. Um, but maybe we should explain a little bit about why we're doing this crazy thing instead of just um, putting on a conference. Well, there, there's no shortage of conferences. If you want right. to go into, if if you want to go into a room with three hundred to a thousand of your peers, sit shoulder to shoulder, facing the same direction, and watch experts tell you what you should do, uh, there's some value in that. But it's not value that we can do anything special, interesting, or different uh, for most of us. And I think as we talk about the target audience for TBD in a moment. We realize that conferences are in, way, in many ways driven around the lowest common denominator content that will please the most people that's designed six months or more in advance of the actual event. Mm-hmm. And I always found that the most important part of the conference was never the conference. It was the connection. It was sitting at a bar talking with someone about your business. It was the hallway time. And so really what TBD Law is in a nutshell is it's taking the best part of the serendipitous things that happen at conferences, the people you meet, the peers you engage with, the ideas you share, and building an entire event around those things, leaving the content uh, delivered by quote-unquote experts at home. Yeah, you know, I I was thinking about this. Um, I've never been uh, to a panel presentation that I felt like was worth flying across the country for. Um, and I've, I have been to some presentations that I was glad to be in the room for, but you know, Ted talks are fantastic and I don't get the impression that they're any less fantastic by watching them on YouTube. So, um, I, yeah, I'm, that's not what, what gets me going about conferences. It's the conversations that I have in the hallway or at the bar, but I never get to finish them. It, it's it's funny that when, when, when I think about a con- the traditional conference audience, think about 300 people in a CLE. Uh, and you know, when I was practicing law, you would hope that at some point you would find the two or three other people in that room who were like you, mm-hmm. who were solving similar challenges, who were trading, training, or try, I'm sorry, trying different things with their practices. And, and it was 
at best case luck. You might bump into them in the networking reception, but the the experts on stage weren't really there for you. Mm -hmm. They were there to tell you something, but they didn't have time to engage, to connect, and certainly not to spend that hour or two hours of one-on-one time with all the 300 people in the audience. And so what has really changed the way that I've approached conferences, even going back to 10 or 12 years ago for the first LexThink event that we did, is that the most important people in the room are the, per- are the people sitting next to you. They're the most like you. They're the most likely to have time for you. Uh, they're your peers. And to build a day around purposeful connection with them, to think about the same kinds of things, to get their insights, that is incredibly valuable. And people go to conferences all the time hoping to meet someone, yet the traditional conference experience is built for content delivery. And to your point, you know, TED Talks just being one of hundreds of options for conversations. Mm-hmm. It's it, Content's ubiquitous now. It, you don't have to go to a conference for content, yet they're still built around the idea that that's the only place you can go for content. <laughs> right. And so, and so for us, and, and one of the things that excites me about TBD Law and just the model in general is that there are really, really smart, interesting people who are trying things that you want to try, who fail the things you're thinking about trying, and who want to share and learn from you as well, that is an incredibly valuable, powerful, and frankly, exhausting experience because it's it's engagement the entire time versus the passive listening and email answering uh, that passes for most large conference hall venues. Yeah, you know, I think uh, when I think about um, that that issue of meeting people and 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 um, and then kind of brainstorming with them and kind of blowing each other's minds with ideas and talking through stuff you've tried and experiments and innovation and um, I realized that both as as a speaker as a participant at networking events whatever um, I often spend a lot of my time just trying to get people to even start thinking about doing things a little bit differently and so. One of the things we decided with TBD Law was to keep the guest list small and try and invite um, people who we think get it. So we can skip those initial painful conversations where you have to convince somebody that going paperless might even be a good idea. That's rudimentary BS. Like, let's, let's just go right way past that and start talking about really cool stuff. Yeah, and, and I don't expect, to, to, in a similar vein, Sam, I don't expect there to be a massive debate that the billable hour is the only way for lawyers to bill right. at TBD. I think that there's going to be a handful of folks who say, in order to deliver the best customer experience that my customers demand, this is what I've chosen to do with them. And maybe it is the billable hour, but quite frankly, there's going to be so many people who are saying, I've moved beyond flat fees. I'm doing monthly subscriptions. I'm playing around with different ways to drive my value to my customers. And that, even though the the agenda is more about the future of law practice and the connection for these people to engage with one another and talk about it, the customer, the client is going to be the center of all of this because the people that we're talking with, the people who are coming to your point are people who've been focusing their practices on serving clients better for years mm-hmm. and not just throwing out a shingle three months ago and thinking, oh, maybe I should do this for a while because I've got to pay my electric bill. This is the TBD is for sophisticated practitioners who've, who are trying new things and who have grown tired of being the only person in their peer group who's doing things on the edge. Well, and I think uh, hopefully that we're also going to, both through you and your team, um, and I think most of the people there will get this already and already know this, but 
you know, too often you go to a conference and you're trying to talk about um, doing something cool, like um, what you could do if you adopt, um, you know, practice management software, like should we use Clio or should we not use Clio? And, and I hope that everybody who is at TBD Law, I'm pretty confident this is true, um, but, I, but I know that we are going to try and shift it away from tools, you know, like, should I go paperless or should I not go paperless? Should I use the billable hour or not? Those are, you're asking the wrong questions, right? We want to look at big picture stuff, like starting from the client's perspective, what is my client looking for? um, And how can I, how can I deliver that to them? And once I figure out what I want it to look like, maybe then we start talking about tools. But I think lawyers get so caught up in the details of should I use this thing or some other thing? Um, and, and we really want to we really want to get out of the minutia and talk about cool stuff. We, we need to answer the why first, mm-hmm. the the how at the strategic level, and then I think we start to dive into tools. And and to be fair, there's going to be some people at TBD Law where that might be the most important thing for them to think about. So you know, we've got a handful of amazing sponsors: uh, Fastcase, Clio, you mentioned Affinity Consulting Group, and ARAG. And really, they're there not necessarily to say, here, buy our stuff, but we're having their leaders participate because they've been thinking about the edge of law practice for quite some time as well. Yeah. And so I'm not thinking about, do I enter into a yearly contract to buy X? I'm thinking about, man, I've already decided for practice management, what is the best way, the most unique ways that I can use it to drive unbelievable value to my firm and my clients? Not the fact that, oh my God, I finally have a calendar that's not an outlook. Like, like the, the, yeah. the to, <laughs> to, to your point, the, the basics are kind of presumed at this point, at least with the audience we hope to have there. And it's, it's, it's not about, oh, I, I think I really need to keep my paper files. That is not a conversation that we expect to be having. It's, it's what's the fastest way? What's the best way? How do I integrate these tools yeah. with my client delivery model? Those kinds of things. If you want to know what scanner to buy, we've got that post on Lawyerist. Go read it. <laughs> Don't come to the conference to try and figure that out. Um, you know, and speaking of sponsors, it's probably worth mentioning that we're also doing sponsors a little bit differently for this. Um, we didn't just put the call out to everybody. We asked specifically a very small group of companies um, who have people that we want to be there. Um, you know, we want uh, we want to give Jack Newton and Joshua Lennon from Clio a chance to come and participate. Um, there's almost nobody I, I think is smarter um, in thinking about the future of law and practice and, and, and like actual law, legal research than Ed Walters from Fastcase. Um, I, I think people are going to be impressed by um, ARAG, um, A-R-A-G, and their legal insurance model, which is apparently huge in Europe, but um, just starting to make inroads in the U.S. I think they're going to be interested about the potential there. And obviously, Baron Henley and maybe Paul Unger from Affinity are... Um, are just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, implementing office technology. And so um, we invited these people so that you can be sitting and, and, and brainstorming on a problem and you can tap Ed on the shoulder and say, hey, Ed, uh, is, there, is there any sort of machine learning that we could implement here that could work? Um, and, and Ed is a huge resource for that. Or, or you, could tap, um, you could tap Baron Henley on the shoulder and say, hey, we're thinking about trying to do this, but can't we just do that in Microsoft Word? And and he'll know. And so we tried to bring sponsors that are actually going to be able to participate in a real meaningful way. They're not there to sell. They're there to actually take part. Well, and and, and to, to add to that, 
you know, sponsors are are not only among the most knowledgeable in a particular industry because it's their business and their bottom line to understand what's not just happening now but what's coming down the pike when you think about their development, when you think about what they have to do from a feature standpoint. But they're also one of the most marginalized groups at the traditional conference. Mm -hmm. It's, hey, you guys can't participate. You guys can't even give a presentation. Guess what? You have to sit behind your booth and hand out pens and wait for people to come talk to you. <laughs> and, and, and to your point, everyone that we've invited from a sponsor standpoint are, are, are friends not because we enjoy their company, although I think that's true. It's their friends because we know they care about this stuff, and our conversations with them have been incredibly meaningful around where the future of law is going. Uh, because when you think about a development roadmap for someone like a Fast Case or a Clio in particular – they're already building the tools for five years from now. Right. And so the machine learning is a perfect example. Uh, is, is, are there tools in Watson, in the IBM's Watson platform that a, that a lawyer could use? Are there you know, robotic process automation? Are, are there things that are just on the edge or the fringes of the traditional CLE world that probably wouldn't even get approved for credit? We expect the people in the room are the ones who are already exploring this. And uh, we'll be able to have some answers. So speaking of sponsors, we need to take two minutes for the sponsors of this podcast. And we'll be back in a moment to try and talk a little bit more about what um, the two days of TBD law are actually going to look like, what people are going to be doing, and how we're going to be going about tackling this, these issues. Did you know that law firms are the seventh highest target for cyber criminals? Breaches in security could cost you your clients, your reputation, and ultimately your firm. Protect your firm from cyber attacks with Abacus Private Cloud, the compliance-ready, fully managed desktop-as-a-service, engineered to safeguard your firm against cyber threats. Abacus Private Cloud is brought to you by Abacus Data Systems, a leading provider of business technology products and solutions, including Abacus Law, simplifying your practice management since 1983. Learn more at abacusprivatecloud.com lawyerist. Billable hours are the lifeblood of a successful law practice. Problem is, you still have to bill those hours. Even if your law firm has an accountant, tracking hours, clients, rates, preparing invoices, and collecting on those invoices is time you never get paid for. And writing notes to yourself in court or on the road is inefficient and error-prone. Run your legal practice better with cloud accounting software and see why over 600,000 small businesses love Xero. Get a free trial at Xero.com. That's X-E-R-O.com. Beautiful accounting software. And we're back. And um, Matt, so what I want to know from you, uh, and this is kind of one of the biggest questions I've been getting, is um, everybody I've talked to acknowledges that they don't go to conferences for the speakers, um, which uh, so that doesn't seem like a big obstacle. But at the same time, they're having a harder time getting their head around what a conference looks like if it isn't based around speakers. And um, so maybe you could give us a little bit of an idea of how you and Filament are going to tackle that. What are you going to have us doing for those the two days of this meeting slash workslops, works, workshop slash whatever? <laughs> I, I think that the, uh, the real question is uh, what do our uh, attendees need from us mm -hmm. and from one another? And so we, we think in some ways here at Filament about building responsive conferences. Anyone who's in the web design world knows that that is a term that means that it works on multiple devices and multiple screens. In our world, we're really thinking about the idea that we have uh, 
I'm trying to think about how, how the best way to say this without scaring people off and making it seem like a traditional CLE. In, <laughs> in planning this, we could have eight days worth of conversations and people would still leave uh, exhausted yet wishing they'd gotten more. And so we're really trying to pick the right tools, the right exercises, and the right ways to engage the audience uh, that gets them what they need. And as we sign people up, as they decide to come to TBD Law, we're starting to ask them those questions. Right? What is the what is the most pressing challenge that you have in your firm? Uh, what is the coolest thing that you've done that you'd like to share? So TBD Law is going to be a mix of small group conversations, uh, some exercises where people are going to think differently with our prompting uh, about their practices. There's going to be some information sharing. Uh, it's not going to be as formal as a TED Talk or the Lex Think Point Ones that we used to do at Tech Show, but really about getting the problems in the air, getting potential solutions in the air, and then also giving them a lens to look at those things that gets them out of their own head a bit. And what I mean by that is that we expect that there's going to be lawyers here who are not just solo, but also small firm practitioners who might have other stakeholders. Uh, it could be partners, it could be associates, it could be staff. And so the idea for them to say, what can I bring back to my practice? If we use that as the starting point, there'll automatically be several folks who will say, oh, we can't do that because... And so one of the key uh, theories that we're going to be operating under is that we're starting these firms from scratch, at least for our purposes of TBD law. We're going to give people a chance to collaborate in small groups to think about building that perfect firm if they had the proverbial blank sheet of paper, working through things like pricing, things like technology, but also really the underlying client service delivery, uh, marketing, sales, operations, all the pieces that make their business better. And by giving them the blank sheet of paper, what's going to happen is they're going to oftentimes build the firm they wish they had, or in some cases, build a firm that they only dreamed about. And then with the work that they've done, they're able to take it back and say, okay, these are 10 things I would have automatically said no to had I started from what can I do in my own firm. But I realize there's seven of them that with a little bit of tweaking, I can bring back to the office on Monday. It's probably worth pointing out that, that, that we have actually structured the conference that, so that it starts before the actual meeting begins um, and it won't end. Um, so we'll be uh, inviting everyone to a chat room uh, starting beforehand. And so some of the information gathering we just talked about, some of the prep for the conference may happen in the days leading up to it. Um, and then we, we, we've predicted that when people do go back to their firms, um, back to their bar associations, back to whatever, um, they might meet with some resistance and need some ongoing support, encouragement, troubleshooting to implement things. And so um, we feel like that chat room is going to be um, sort of a small social network um, and a supportive network for people um, throughout the rest of the year uh, to help implement the things that have filled their head during TBD, TBD law. I think that's exactly that's exactly right. The other thing that I'm really excited about is that uh, we're not certain if these go out in a week or two or three, but within 30 days before the event, everyone who signed up is going to get a book from us. And uh, they're not all going to get the same book. Mm -hmm. So everybody is going to get a different book. It's going to be around client service. It might be around productivity. It might be around innovation. It might be around visuals and drawing. It could be just about anything, but it's a curated set of books that we found to be valuable. And the goal for them is even if they read a chapter and not the whole book is to bring another perspective into the room that will be interesting, will be ideas they can share, and will be insights that they might not have had uh, when they got there. 
and certainly that they'll be able to switch around and perhaps walk away with a different book at the end of the day. You're priming people's brains before they show up. I think that's exactly right. That's very cool. So, um, what are you most excited about TBD Law? Because I'm super pumped about it, um, but I'm not sure if I could put my finger on any one thing. Is there one thing that stands out for you? For, for th- this is this is a very selfish answer, uh, but the, <laughs> but but those who know me know that I've been spending uh, my life really the last ten to fifteen years of time thinking about and being innovative in both my law practice and now the other businesses uh, that I'm involved with. And so TBD Law gives me a chance for my multiple circles of my Venn diagram, the things that I do differently, to all converge in the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about the perfect legal conference for 15 years. <laughs> and, and with Filament, the capacity to do that kind of deep, focused innovation work with people that I know and respect is unbelievably exciting to me. And I can't wait uh, to be working with these people as they show up uh, and giving them an experience that's second to none. So, so that for me is a it's a culmination event in some ways of the LexThink conferences, the meetings, the point one presentations, the even all the CLEs and law firm retreats and corporate work that I've done over the last decade mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, and on top of it, we're going to be drawing live in all the meetings. So we, we actually are adding a visual. Uh, and design component as well. So all of those things together get me really geeked up about the event. Yeah, I think I'm just excited to get together with a group of sort of kindred spirits um, who are excited about building uh, client service companies and um, and and just kind of um, finishing all those conversations I've started over the years, um, or or at least giving giving uh, those conversations room to grow and see where we go with those ideas. I, th- I think that that, I- that in a nutshell is the the it's you don't have to stick around till three in the morning at a bar at at a legal conference to finally have time to talk about this stuff. The entire two days is going to be really hard work, but it's going to be energizing and focused on really the future of these individual people's business. Uh, the one one thing, and I, I share this a lot. This is a, an old story, but it's the joke about the two men. Uh, who are running in the in the woods and they see a bear and the one man says to the other, we can't outrun the bear. And the man, the other man says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. There's going to be so much change in the legal business over the next 10 years that those people who are poised to take advantage of these disruptive things like artificial intelligence, process automation, smart tools are going to have an incredible chance to make a ton of money and to survive, I, I can't say what the horizon looks like post 10 years, but these are going to be the people who will be left standing, I think, who are at TBD Law. And uh, to be able to engage with them and watch them think about their practice in a strategic way is going to be really fun. Cool. I think that's probably a good note to end on. If you are interested in TBD Law, the website is tbdlaw.co. If you already have an invite, um, I hope we've just explained to you why you better jump on it. Um, If you haven't got an invite yet, uh, you'll see a button on the website to apply for an invitation. We did explain this is invitation only, but uh, between Matt and Aaron and I, we obviously don't know all of the innovative lawyers in the country. If you think you are one of them, we'd love for you to apply because if you seem like a great fit, we would love to get you to the conference. Well, Matt, I'm excited and uh, we'll see you at TBD Law. I can't wait, Sam.
To make sure you catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast, subscribe to The Lawyerist Podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. You can listen to it at lawyerist.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to The Lawyerist Insider, our weekly newsletter. Just go to lawyerist.com and look down the sidebar or click on newsletter up at the top. We'll remind you where to find the podcast whenever we release a new episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.